We are getting into the short rows of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, there's this sermon and then uh, two more. And in the midst of, um, on the 25th, uh, my friend Dale Cook will be here while we're on vacation and uh, preach that day. So we'll finish the first Sunday in July, uh, this particular sermon. And a few of you have asked where we're going, and um, I'm, I'm working on that. It's going to be a surprise. But I will tell you, I think that I'm going to the, uh, an Old Testament book. Um, so haven't preached from the Old Testament in a while. So we'll, we'll see. See how the Lord leads. So we're in the seventh chapter of Matthew, and uh, in a few minutes I'll be reading verse 15. But you know, it, it's sad to say, but many in our society today have bought into the notion that truth is relative. In other words, the truth depends on how you define it. And uh, what is truth for one may not be truth for another. Consequently, the, the idea of absolute truth is quickly becoming obsolete. Um, the nature of truth has always been a topic of discussion. If you went to John 18, verse 38, you would see that Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? And so many today answer that question, but unfortunately they answer it in their pursuit of truth in claiming that they are teachers or preachers of the word, of truth, but in fact they are imposters. They are wolves in sheep's clothing, claiming to be men or women that are sent by God with a message designed to impact our lives in some positive way. But in many cases, that impact has anything but positivity. Without mixing words, Jesus just plainly says in this sermon, as we will see in just a moment, beware of false prophets. And we are called today more than ever, I think, to beware of those that are falsely teaching, falsely preaching, and calling it a message from God or God's word. Lucky for us, it's great for us that, that Jesus gives us this passage and helps us to understand how to watch and beware for those that might try to lead us astray. So if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, I'll pick up with verse 15 and read through verse 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravelous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, you will know them by their fruits. This is the word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. I pray, Father, that you would illuminate our hearts and minds today for what you would hold for us through this, your holy word. We pray this in your name. Amen. False prophets were not new to Israel. As long as God had true prophets, Satan was coming along with false prophets. And we see this from the earliest times of redemption, the timeline of God's story. False prophets find their ways into hearing and often encourage those that were displeased with what God was calling them to or that God's ways or his commandments. Isaiah 30 verse 9 says, For this is a rebellious people, false sons, sons who refuse to listen to the instruction of the Lord. When Jesus was nearing the end of his ministry, he was sitting on the Mount of Olives and he was teaching them about what was to come, these end times. And the disciples asked Jesus, tell us when these things will be and what will be the signs of your coming and the end of the age. And Jesus replied to them as recorded in Matthew 24. He says, see to it that no one misleads you For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. 2 John 7 John warns, pointing out, many deceivers have gone out into the world to deceive you. John was talking about us, the believers. Many deceivers are going out into the world. Paul, as he finishes his letter to the Christians in Rome in the 16th chapter, verses 17 and 18, he says, Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eyes on those who cause dissension and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you have learned and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of the Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unexpecting. Other parts of the New Testament tell us that there are deceitful spirits. There are advocates of false doctrine, doctrines of demons. There are those who have destructive heresies, denying the very master, the divinity of Jesus. The New Testament tells us about false apostles, false teachers, false speakers, false witnesses, and as Jesus had just said in Matthew 24, false Christ that will come claiming to be me. The Apostle John in 1 John 4 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God, because 
many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so there has been a gamut, a plethora of false prophets that have gone out into the world and continue to, to proclaim this false gospel of Jesus. They prefer to hear what is pleasant and flattering, even though it is false and dangerous. Because the unpleasant and the unflattering, they don't see as very helpful at all. So what is the definition of a prophet of God? From the beginning of redemption, as I said, from the fall of mankind, God's true representatives have been marked by two things. First, they are divinely commissioned. They are called by God specifically for his purpose and his will. <clears throat> and secondly, they present a divine message. Any prophet that is called by God has a message to deliver for God, and it is only from God, not from the prophet himself or herself. The true prophet is a voice of God to mankind. On the other hand, the definition of a false prophet is the most dangerous characteristic of that false prophet is that they claim to speak from God and claim to be commissioned by God to speak on God's behalf. Jeremiah speaks to this, the prophet of God, to the, to the children of Israel in the 23rd chapter, and here's what Jeremiah says to them and for us as a warning. He says, Also among the prophets of Jerusalem, I have seen horrible things, committing adultery, walking in falsehood. They strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one has turned back from their wickedness. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, do not listen to their words, the words of these prophets who are prophesying to you. They are leading you to fertility. They are speaking a vision of their own imagination, not from the mouth of the Lord. I did not send these prophets, but they ran. I did not speak to them, but they ran have prophesied. So the false prophet is a fraud. They say that they're from God. They say they are speaking for God, but they are a fraud. Many of you remember the name Jim Jones, the, one of the most frightening discoveries of the People's Temple Christian Church was that a, a large majority of Jim Jones's followers was from the Christian, the Christian persuasion. They had grown up in the Christian home. They had grown up in the Christian church. They came to him wanting, believing that he offered this genuine experience in Christ, this fellowship with other people, uh, a way to serve. But yet, overnight with its leader, 
Jim Jones and nearly a thousand people committed mass suicide in Jonestown settlement in the jungle of Guiana, South America. Mel White, in his book, Deceive, tries to determine and, and to, to, to lift up how in the world would so many people follow this man to their death? And he says, Jim Jones knew how to inspire hope. He was committed to people in need. He counseled prisoners and juvenile delinquents. He had job placement, developed a job placement center. He opened a rest home. He had homes for the disabled. He had a health clinic. He organized volunteer uh, and vocational training. He provided free legal, legal aid. He had a community center that he built and had people come to out of the cold and the rain, and he preached about God. He even claimed to cast out demons, do miracles, and to heal, Mel White says. But on the other hand, we find the marks of a false prophet in Jim Jones. He promoted himself through the use of celebrities, the very common vehicle of false prophets. He manipulated the press. He wanted them to show favorable stories so that he could gain importance. He used language and forms of faith to gain power. He created a, a warm Christian community, but he replaced Christ Jesus and Jesus' authority with genuine loyalty to himself. He began demanding money for the services that all of these entities provided. He became preoccupied with sex in the normal form and the deviant form. He would lie convincingly in order to gain any advantage that, he, that would gain him and to gain him power. Before his death, he had managed to gain the admiration and praise from countless church leaders, governors, senators, congressmen, and even from the President of the United States. The greatest tragedy at Jonestown was not that nearly a thousand people died, but they died believing that they were serving God when in act, in fact, they were worshiping a man, not Christ. We could over and over again tell the stories of Koresh in Waco and others that have gained the trust of many by false lies. But Jesus says, beware, and beware always warns of danger. It is not simply a call to notice or to see, but Jesus is calling us to be on guard because it is dangerous, it is harmful when we allow ourselves to be pulled away to a false truth. False prophets are dangerous. 
They try to expose our minds to something other than what is from God. They are perverted in their thinking and poison in their soul. They are more dangerous than the cobra or the tiger because the cobra and tiger can hurt this physical body, but the false prophet gets into our head, gets into our mind, tries to divert the soul from worshiping, for praising, for glorifying God. The danger of the false prophet greatly increases because of their deception. When an enemy has, is seen for what they are, we alter ourselves and we can prepare our defense. But when an enemy poses itself as a friend, often we let down our defenses. We begin to let that person into our life. And that is why Jesus speaks of shepherds or false prophets in, in, in sheep's clothing and that they are, are wolves. False prophets do not deceive the flock by impersonating the sheep, but by impersonating the shepherd. You see that the shepherd would wear wool clothing made from the sheep so that they would smell and they would have something that was in common and, and look more like what they were taking care of. These garments would be of sheep's clothing for the shepherd. And just as the ancient prophets wore garments like the true prophets, Jesus is reminding them false shepherds will disguise themselves as true shepherds. Satan's men and women will go under a disguise and claim to be God's man or woman to teach the truth, but yet what they are doing is deceiving, misleading, trying to destroy God's people. The scriptures speak of three basic kinds of false teachers. Heretics, apostates, and deceivers. Heretics are those who openly reject God's word, teach something contrary to divine truth. The apostate teacher is someone that has followed um, or at least perceived to follow God at some point in true faith, but yet has turned away, rejected that faith, and tries to lead others away. I guess the... Um, the best virtue of these two in heretics and apostates is they pretty much are truthful about who they are. They, they don't lie about themselves. Where the third one, the deceiver, is one that does not claim orthodoxy or, or against orthodoxy. They actually claim to be biblical or the orthodoxy and Christianity. The false shepherd, the deceiver, frequently declares in fanfare and all discussions, hey, I know about the cross. I know about Jesus. I know about what he has done. I know about the Holy Spirit and, and the, the word of God. I, I associate with true believers. I am fundamental, evangelical. Don't you hear my vocabulary? I associate with those that have genuine belief. Can't you see who I am? But in essence, they are 
a deceiver. They lie. Paul in 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, says, For such men are false prophets, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as the apostle of Christ. No wonder, Paul goes on to say, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it's not surprising that the very servants of, of Satan disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. This is who the false prophet is. The false prophets are dangerous. They tell you that they know all of this stuff. They know about Christianity. They know about Christ. They talk like Christians. They even seem to walk the faith. They, they even seem to identify as a Christian using the terminology and the knowledge. But they are not affirming of Jesus. Many false prophets appear to be sincere, sincere, but yet leads away from Christ. They deceive even those with strong faith, trying to pull them away from what God is doing in their life and in the church. They become so deeply devoted to falsehood that darkness seems light and black seems white. So if they are around us, if they have infiltrated our churches, if they are among us, how do we identify false prophets among us? They show their true colors eventually. They will show their true colors. They say that, oh, the divinity of Christ or the substitutionary atonement, depravity, the loss of man, lostness of man, all are part of what I believe, but they ignore them. They don't live them. Jesus says in the passage that, there's two kinds of trees. There's a good tree and a bad tree, and the good tree produces good fruit, and the bad tree produces bad fruit. And a good tree can't produce bad, and a bad can't produce good. And so the false prophets are, unfortunately, or I guess fortunately would be the way to put it, is eventually you're going to see their true colors you're going to see that they are negative, that they are uncomfortable with what God calls us to. They may appear to live a moral life. They may appear to live a life such as Christ has called us to, but they are bogus in their moral life, and their immoral life will surface at some point. And Jesus tells us that these will be bound up. They will come and, as they practice lawlessness, they will be gathered and they will be thrown into the fire. And so he warns us here in this passage, beware of the false prophet and tells us to identify them by their fruit. So I want to talk about three 
characteristics of false prophets as we close out this scripture. And the first one is the character itself, the character of the false prophets. Their, their inner motives, their standards, their loyalties, their attitudes, their ambitions, all are for self. For self. They are a person who does not belong to Christ, who do not offer Christ's message, and they will emerge to see that their heart is corrupt, that their life is not moral, their false teaching is perverted and inseparable from who they are. And their deepest motive is for self. They would not have a pattern as we are to have in honor and glory and magnifying and growing humility and holiness and obedience. You will not see that in the false prophet. But you will see money, prestige, recognition, need, popularity, Resentfulness, egotistical, egotistical self-indulgent, these are the characters. They are proud of who they are and what they are representing because their very presence is to represent their own agenda or that of Satan and not of God. And so the character, Jesus says, will come out. You will be able to see by their fruit. Secondly, we will see by their creed. As I mentioned, often they will seem strong in the understanding of Scripture. They can quote Scripture. They can bring Scripture to you to justify their stance. But often they take Scripture out of context and make it say what it doesn't say to support their very premise of whatever they're trying to get across. Eventually, the fruit will show itself to be bad fruit. If you recall, we know that perverted truth is a lie. And perverted truth in the believer, as the Holy Spirit dwells in you, will cause your soul to be wrestled, to be uneasy as we live out what we desire to be truth. The false prophet is incapable of pointing to Christ. And so they meet, mislead us from the gospel. They try to confuse us about what Christ has done. Their creed is not narrow, the narrow way. Their creed is the broad path. Judgment, condemnation, eternal destruction is not a part of what you're going to hear from the false prophet. They do not long for righteousness. They look for easy answers for problems. And many people are ready to hear them because they like what they're saying. It seems easy. It seems like this is what is good. 
God loves everyone and everything is good and so just be happy and do whatever you want and God's changed his mind and God is not the same as he used to be and if you know from scripture especially those last two things are incorrect they will accept grace but it has to be cheap grace it doesn't reflect and can't reflect on their own sinfulness their own inadequacies or their own lostness the creed of the false prophet if there is one is vague it's undefined and it's absolutely worldly no demanding of truth will be clear but what they present will be attractive and then finally, the, the false prophet can be identified by their followers. They will attract people that like what they're saying. They will attract people that like their agenda. If you look at morality as a good example, many of the false teachers today that says anything goes with our sexual morality, well, if there are those that are like what they're hearing often will follow that train of thought and say see this is of God because this person is standing up teaching and preaching this particular bent or pervasion of scripture they are superficial self-centered the followers are oriented towards those that they are following to be called religious in any way. They may be religious, but they are not a Christian. They are self-oriented, group-oriented, but they're not God-oriented or Scripture-oriented. And so, unfortunately, as we look at the false prophets that Jesus is talking about, we will see them in our own time as those who are leading away from instead of to Christ. And Jesus says, you will know them by their fruit. You will know them by their fruit. I was thinking coming in this morning that Terry and I were talking after a wedding we went to and helped with yesterday, and um, we were just talking about some different things, and, and then we got to talking about how we present ourselves in the world. And, and yes, we're supposed to speak truth in love, absolutely. And if we identify a false prophet then we have to beware and we have to warn those around us of that. But as I was thinking this morning about our conversation and about how we present ourselves in this world that's lost and in this world that would draw us away, one of the things that we talked about yesterday was the message that we have as a Christian. And so, yes, there are false prophets that's trying to draw us and to get us away from our walk, to divert us, deceive us. But we have a great message. And the great message of Jesus Christ is what we are to proclaim. 
And so we don't have to degrade another church or we don't have to degrade another person. What we do is present who we are and whose we are in Jesus Christ. We are called to glorify him, to lift him up in praise. And as people see our fruit, you are known by your fruit. As people see our fruit in him, and it's not just conversion. It's on how we live those standards and those commandments out in a lost world. How do people see you in your everyday life? How do people see you as you go about your daily routines in life? How do people see you in line at Kroger's or standing at Sam's or anywhere else? I have this lady I check, try to check out with in Sam's, and she knows I'm a pastor. Now she knows I'm a pastor, but... Um, we have this conversation because I'm buying food on Wednesday night, usually for Wednesday night supper, and she'll say, what are you cooking this week? So we have, and she's a Christian, and so we have this conversation. I often ask her what I can pray for you about. And so I try to get her line so that I can have this conversation with her. Do you know those around you that know that you are a Christian or you haven't hidden that fact in some way or whose you are as you walk with Christ? We have a great message. There are false prophets that are going to be out there teaching and preaching and trying their best to dissuade people from believing and understanding. I've heard it thousands of times. It seems like I've read it at least thousands of times. I've probably heard it hundreds of times. Oh, God's changed his mind. This is just suggestions. And if we believe this is just a suggestion, I really don't even know what you're doing here. But God's word is truth, and we believe it, and we stand on it. It's the firm foundation, as the praise team said. And God is not going to lead us astray. So as we think about this text, and we think about the false prophets that are in the world, and, and how they look, and what they do, and how they operate in their character, and their creed, and as we even see those that would follow them, we must remember whose we are, that we are following the true Christ, proclaiming the truth in Christ in all that we do. And so I would caution us this morning, as Jesus says, beware of those around us, of what may draw us away. Stand firm on Christ, because we are known by our fruit. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for the opportunity just to break open your word, and thank you for the warning that you give us throughout Scripture to be on guard, to be aware of that that's around us that might be dangerous. Uh, Satan does not need to tempt or pull away those that are already living in temptation and sin. He's got them. The false prophets, uh, Satan's demons, Father, just try to pull at us in our faith, try to divert us down a path that is not, not with you. And so, Father, help us to be on guard. I pray, Father, that we would be winsome in our character, our creed. I pray, Father, that you would use us to produce good fruit for you and for your kingdom. Thank you, Father, for even calling us, for saving us, 
and for walking with us through the power of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us in all things. And Father, for these things, we give you praise. We worship you today, Father, because of what you have done through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.